Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, hosted by Mark Benke and myself, Joe Vinipal. We're two pop culture nerds dedicated to celebrating our favorite properties and talking to the creative minds and personalities that make them great. You might learn something new about pop culture history or rediscover the recent past. Follow us on social media for weekly pop culture content, where we're always dissecting. Doug, it has been some time. How are you, yes. sir? Doing very well. How are you? I'm good. You can't tell, but under this hat, I have even less hair than the last time you saw me. It's, oh, man. It's just... <laughs> you got to get some. You know, it's it's the future now. You can just get some. It's true. Have it installed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I do yep, It's just like an that- update. <laughs> I'd be concerned, though, that they would want to go for, like, you know, a pube or something for the hair and then, like... I can know. I know it's pubes up there, and then it just freaks me out. <laughs> pubes and... are strong; they're resilient, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've got personality. The way these curl up on you, yeah, yeah. way better yeah. than regular hair. It's just Stand so out. thick. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of standing out, we're here to talk about our first retro review of season three. Now, in season two, we did retro reviews the entire season, but we always did them between Joe and myself. Mm-hmm. We never brought a guest along, and no. yeah, then then it dawned on us the other day. We're like, wait a second, we know someone who loves video games just as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Let's not be selfish. Let's let's bring people in, you know, build that community. <laughs> so <laughs> so happy as hell you're here with us, man. Love to talk some video games with you. And today we are specifically talking about South Park, the Stick of Truth. Fond memories that I have mm-hmm. of this game. What about you guys? I mean, it's, so. it's, it's one that, that hits you right away. Like this is like, we, I think we've talked oh, yeah. about like somehow like some games that are like based off of obviously like other properties, whether they're movies or TV shows or comic books, they have a way of playing like their source material. Like, like all the Arkham, Arkham games, except origins feel like you're playing a comic book. This is kind of that same feel where it, it's like you've played like a 20 hour episode of South Park Definitely. <laughs> and it, it just hits perfectly. I had that same experience where I felt like I was playing a South Park episode, but it was actually possibly the best written episode too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe it's because you're interacting with it yourself, but it becomes like, you're just laughing the entire time. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, there's, there's a unavoidable humor in that game that is just so, true to the characters and and the tv show when even something as simple as like picking your class and like mm-hmm. one class is definitely a joke in and of itself and cartman calls you out <laughs> for it immediately due to his um <laughs> his bigotry and it did it, it worked perfectly i i think what i liked about this the most is the fact that you actually have trey parker and matt stone involved with the game mm-hmm. because you know you see so many of these adapted properties that license properties and they don't always have either the writing team or the creators attached directly, but they're producers, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're out there in the ether somewhere that didn't happen here. I mean, they, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading somewhere that there's just like hundreds of pages these guys wrote because they kept going, Oh man, there's a character that we don't use very often that we want to mm-hmm. put in here now. And, and that, that's what ended up being the script for the game was just hundreds of pages. And they're like, man, do we want to take that out? And they're like, no, it's an RPG. We're going to leave that in. They've always had a lot of passion about, you know, their creations. So I feel like when they get to explore new media, it's maybe just as exciting for them as when they started the show, like with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Book of Mormon being on Broadway and things like that. And, you know, they clearly put a lot of work into that as well. I think it's a similar thing. I feel like, well, now it's our chance to make a video game. So they're going to do it, you know, at their level. At their level and at, uh, I would say their enthusiasm for video games too, in general, because you can tell that as you play the game, it isn't only again, like they really cared about their show, which they did and made sure the show was brought through the game. It's they took some of the best things about both RPGs and JRPGs and just video games in general from when they were growing up and put them into this game. Like how something that they, they sadly did away with when they, when you get to um, the fracture, but whole, 
um, is that they refuse to have DLC in the first game because, like, no, like oh. if you're paying for the price for a full game, the full game should be there. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to worry about paying, having anything behind a paywall, which is great. I mean, I, they they've always been anti-establishment. You know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They've always been known as uh, libertarian in scope, right? And, and not. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking like leaning one way or another. Obviously, they take shots at everybody. But creatively, I would say that libertarian spirit has always been there, too. And that's what kind of makes the earlier games in South Park video game history like egg on face, right? Because so many of those games are just god-awful. You can tell it was a license deal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a big narrative thing. It was like, nope, this is going to make money, we hope. And that's why this exists. So it was mm-hmm. nice that... Well, I'll put it this way. It was actually nice that THQ went bankrupt. <laughs> that that was developing the, mm-hmm. the the game initially, right? Like it it actually did kind of go through development hell for a couple years and you would hear rumors about it, it would disappear for a little bit. Then we actually saw the game, you know, get some demos and then we were like, "Oh shit, this is actually getting close." And then, yeah, THQ bottom drops out financially there. Mm-hmm. But but then Obsidian and Ubisoft show up and I'm like, I don't know if there's another studio or studios in this case that I trust more than these two. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have the Kings of RPG and then you have like the Kings of publishing action games. Like I just don't see that being a bad mix. What do you guys think? Of course not. No. And again, when you look at like the actual, well, I mean, we'll get into like when we start ranking um, the game too, but when you look at how the game plays, so I guess like the Ubisoft side from like the development side, it is an incredibly smooth game. And part of that, I think, goes in the fact that it didn't have to be like a graphics monster. This is something that would have looked like fine in the last generation of systems, but it does look crisp and clear in the generation came out on. But like everything, when. Uh, when you even think like oh like RPGs, how much control do you really need? Because this is more of a classic RPG. It's turn based, so it's not like modern Final Fantasies where you're actually fighting and everything like that. But like mm-hmm. there are some controls that are time based while you're playing, and those like never felt like there was any sort of like button lag or anything that would have kept you from performing the way you wanted to. Performing the way you wanted to. It's something that you t- wish you could say in more aspects of your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I swear. <laughs> happens to all kinds of guys. <laughs> well, you know what, Doug? Before we dive completely in, I do want to reintroduce you to the to the folks listening for a moment because they may not remember who you are from last year and the year before. Obviously, we've combined forces a couple times to talk about video games. But... Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell folks uh, a little bit about your stat sheet and yeah, uh, where you rose to prominence online and your experience with video games? Okay, so my first um, experience with Joe was about Seinfeld to posting the meme group that I admin on Facebook, which is still going bigger and stronger than ever. Um, And my experience with video games uh, has been my entire life pretty much. Um, mostly 8-bit and 16-bit. It took me a long time to get into the types of games that we're going to be talking about today. For instance, I have a shocker. First time I played Stick of Truth was in 2020. And I've played it it now uh, in its completion four times since then, Um, which is a lot in a very short amount of time. But yeah, um, you know, I kind of skipped many generations, like pretty much all of the 2000s playing video games and then came back to it strong during COVID and um, really put my time in and have now played through pretty much most modern classics. And um, yep, here I am here to talk about it. (laughs) See, now that's fantastic because... I think we have a good mix of experiences here because Joe and I both bought it when it first came out, pre-ordered mm-hmm. it, played it back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I remember living through the delays because this game got delayed several times, not just with THQ, but also the Ubisoft behavior of, we're going to push this game back because we want to get it done right. Mm-hmm. And when Ubisoft, 
when Ubisoft and like Naughty Dog do that, you just kind of go, all right, I'm not going to yeah. bitch. <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> they're going to get this right. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was disappointing when it got delayed, but mm-hmm. uh, it was obviously money well spent. But Doug, because you're the guest and because you're mm-hmm. probably the person who's like most recently played the bulk of the game. Yes. Do you want to tell folks what is the stick of truth? So I'd also like to add that Doug is further east and therefore further away from the international dateline and is later than the rest of us. So Doug, you get to yes. go first. Okay, cool. <laughs> he's in the um, he's in the he's in the future. So I go. am in the future, unfortunately. <laughs> so um, it is a game um, about a new kid arrived to South Park, and when we say new kid, um, for better or worse. Um, they remain unnamed the entire time. Um, as you play through the, ser- the series, um, you sort of do get many different nicknames, but essentially you're just a new kid moving into South Park and meeting the entire crew. When I say the entire crew, I mean like literally every single character in South Park at the time you will come across in this game. Um, and then like they were saying before, it's... Um, an RPG, um, heavy on exploration, heavy on, um, you know, turn-based battles, uh, finding items, a lot of different side quests, like you'd expect from this type of game. Um, and you sort of never know where the story is going to turn and where you're going to end up. And I think that's probably the best part of it. Um, anything I'm leaving out there, um, I kind of want to focus more on the, on the new kid aspect. So, mm-hmm. you know, you enter the game, you're able to completely dress yourself in, you know, the types of things you'd expect from South Park, all the South Park looking eyes, glasses, hair, clothing, you completely create your character. And then you move in with your um, uh, family, your mother and father, who, you know, uh, are fairly erratic, bipolar and abusive. <laughs> Um, I hate, you start, hate to laugh about it, but yes, yeah, true. that's really what's going on. And then you, you start meeting the other children and you're thrown into it right away. Um, it, it walks you into a brief tutorial where, you know, you're meeting the other children and all of a sudden you're put into your first turn based battle and, you know, the characters you meet will assist you in learning the ropes, you know, learning how to do your basic attacks and projectiles, special moves, etc. And then from there, you, you know, build up your crew. You start out um, meeting Butters, and he's now going to be your fighting partner going forward. But as you go on, you'll um, circle through a lot of the different boys and girls who, you know, frequent their age group in the show. And, um, you know, you're kind of stuck with the same characters for, I would say, most of the game, maybe three quarters of the game. You're going to have about the same team. Then, depending on yeah. how you follow the story, you could be stuck with a complete opposite team. But by the end, you'll have a lot of freedom to kind of choose every character and choose all their various powers, which, you know, are, are very um, representative of their personalities in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, one thing I do want to go back to uh, was the... the the character creation, because there's two mm-hmm. very important things to point out here. Joe, Joe mm-hmm. is snickering because I think he knows where I'm in the head. Mm-hmm. But yep. the, fir- the first is actually tied into a trophy where you get to name your character. And no matter what you type in, <laughs> yeah, Cartman just calls you douchebag. Yep. Right? <laughs> so the, the mm-hmm. trophy unlocks if you choose not to try to rename yourself and you just accept douchebag twice. Mm-hmm. If you accept douchebag two times, it'll 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 pop the trophy, and uh, I, I knew Which, about course, it going in. I got that in. one right away because I just want to play the game. You know, it's like you want to call me douchebag, let's go. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's Cartman. Yep. <laughs> Looking at the classes of the game, wizard's not available because Cartman's the wizard character, just mm-hmm. like when he's the dwarf character. No one else is allowed to be the dwarf character. <laughs> so <laughs> you get go to play be... Palo Kitty on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been great if that was somehow like some sort of playable mini game. Would have been yeah, like I know. Kitty Island Adventure somewhere. Oh. I, I mean, of of the few missed opportunities that they had making this game, that was one of them. Um, 
But again, still like not even a slide against the game because it's, 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 it's again, it's it, like a perfect South Park episode. Seriously, it, it feels like mm-hmm. a casserole made from like all of the dishes in the refrigerator because there's just that much content going on here. So like, I agree with you. I can't really be mad about it. Mm-hmm. And it, so it, it's, it's immersive for several reasons. We already mentioned how it feels exactly like an episode of the show, but you're, you're just be able to interact with it. And have you ever, have you ever heard of, and I just made up a word, have either of you ever heard of virtual Springfield? I've heard of this. Maybe I'm just like thinking mm-hmm. of virtual Bart and it's getting confused in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's a different yep. game that came out in the mid nineties. So I actually, my brother actually owns the copy that I got as a gift years ago, but you basically put on this poorly drawn VR because once again, mid nineties and mm-hmm. you go into Springfield and you can interact with, you know, cell shaded characters and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what people were actually kind of saying that this game was reminiscent of because mm. it's just as much a South Park simulator as it is a South Park oh, game. Oh, yeah. When you're yeah. done, it's fun to just continue walking around and talking to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's 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 hilarious because like Officer Bar Brady, for example, the local, you know, police <laughs> uh police mm-hmm. officer, he's like seldom used in the series now. In the beginning mm-hmm. though, you know, he, he showed up all in all these different episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do change his voice, though, uh, over the years. And so his mm-hmm. his later voice is what's used in the game. But that's one example. Like, yeah, you could go exploring around the town and suddenly see a character that hasn't been on TV for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because I think in the TV, you had you had Bar Brady going from being like the literal, like only cop in a small town. Um, yeah. And then when they wanted to explore like new like new forms of humor and, uh, and different, like basically different jokes. They, they couldn't just have it done through Barb Brady all the time. So yeah. you expand to like a full PD that they have there with over the top yeah. detectives. Yeah, he never and interacts with, I never, I never noticed that. Like there's the mm-hmm. other full police force. Barb Brady never really interacts with them. That's interesting. No, they, they would no. be maybe, you know, the local state police and Barb Brady is the South park police. Maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, they feel like the big city lethal weapon cops, and then Barb Brady's the, <laughs> the the small town, you know, uh, checking radar in a twenty five mile per hour zone. Yeah, so and you'd think that maybe like they would have like I don't know, and maybe they have, we just haven't seen it because I know I haven't I haven't fully kept up with South Park, but maybe there was an episode where like there's like a reference like Barb Brady being like the meter maid or the person who was like the, there, the PD, the rest of the PD purposely avoids. I yeah. remember something like this. There is something. You know, I don't remember enough to think of it, but there, there is one where he's kind of like feeling left behind or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is late in the series, and I, I do remember well, I, late. Good Lord, we've been watching it for almost three decades now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I really was blown away by this initially because when I read into this a few years ago, um, I saw that Trey Parker was a huge fan of Earthbound. And oh, you know, obviously Earthbound. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, was, I was thinking of games to bring up earlier that w- this game reminded me of, and that was my number one answer. Yeah. And not just because of like giant aborted babies, which is <laughs> technically the end boss of Earthbound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which does show up here again too. But I mean, that that's what I think is, is it's a, it's an interesting place to drop an experienced gamer into is that, you're giving them this really rich, well-designed experience and you're, you're drawing on really strong RPG mechanics. And then you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. have, you have unapologetic Nazi zombies that are just there for some reason, you know, and <laughs> every game, every game needs uh, Nazi zombies. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. why not? Right. But uh, that, so going back to what Doug mentioned, we have a turn-based RPG and as we talked about influences, Doug, I don't know if you agree with this, but the first thing that came to mind for me was when you look at the combat of this game, it's it's very similar to Paper Mario. And I yeah. don't know if either of you guys have played played that one. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that's where you get these like timed attacks. You know, where if you if you miss the timed attack, you know, there's egg on your face, right? Which they. Mm-hmm. They they really call that out in, in this game far more than Paper Mario ever did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've also got time defenses as well too. So it's mm-hmm. again, like fun ways to kind of find like this, I don't know, like a good bridge between like the classic RPGs, which were just, you know, select a move and watch it go out. Uh, and the modern ones, which are literally just you running around and actually, you know, more like non RPG video game, like combat. So it's a, it's a good way of having the right amount of interaction within combat. Uh, in that, like, you're always interested because you're trying to hit the time, but it's not like just constant like anxiety of trying to make sure you're you're doing it right. I, I will say this too: like early in the game, the gear that you can pick up, it isn't just like standard RPG where you can get incrementally better things. Mm-hmm. There, there's a mission where you have to go get a gas mask so that you can't be pepper sprayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's and, where it brings me to Earthbound as well, because there's many items that might be used for like one time for one specific thing. And sometimes they're kind of a little obscure. Like you don't know why it's there, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I loved Earthbound is kind of, you know, having something in your inventory for a while and then realizing, oh, that's what it's for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've called it on this show a couple times that it's the uh, the rubber chicken and monkey island moment <laughs> where <laughs> it has, mm-hmm. has one specific use that it will not be bluntly obvious to you until you're like right there until staring at it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Now, I, see, I see other than items, uh, things that this game I think does a great job with is collectibles because it doesn't like go over the top with them. And sometimes like collectibles, I feel like what they should be is just kind of something extra to keep you going in a longer game that is completely optional. And if you're a purist and a completist and you want to get everything, it's nothing that is too taxing. It's not like, you know, the Riddler trophies um, Mm -hmm. or the the amount of eagle feathers and paintings and books and everything else you can get in Assassin's Creed. Um, In this, you collect Chin Pokemon which, if you are familiar with the show, is their way to make fun of Pokemon as they were playing. And what is also, I think, really great about this, and I think Doug would agree, is that they are, one, not plenty. They're not, they're not, I think, but there are 100 of them in the game. It's like 113, maybe. 113, yeah. So it's it's nothing, nothing egregious. And they're... They're they're pretty stand out, so you can usually see them pretty easily. There are a few that are pesky, and you yeah. can <laughs> miss them, which yeah. I'll let Doug take over from there on why that can be a bit of a pain. <laughs> so this game has um, so you you spend most of the time in the town of South Park, but then there are moments, mostly when you go to sleep overnight, where you're woken up for adventures, and those adventures will take place in areas inside of walls inside of places that you know by the time you're going on this adventure spaces get blocked off and you cannot return to so yep. during those moments there's going to be chim pokemon you need to collect there's going to be weapons you need to find and there are going to be potential friend requests you know that's another collectible yes between selfies yes with the people of south park so yeah. if you miss any of those and you're going for trophies, you will have to replay the game. And some of those, there's one friend request in particular where you have about one screen in the entire game to get it. You know, mm-hmm. with Clyde, um, you, you do a mission. And for one moment, Clyde is available to your friend. If you don't get his friend request in that moment, now he becomes your enemy and it is gone for the rest of the game. And this happens maybe within the first 20 minutes. So, you know, it gets really tricky. It really does. And uh, it was kind of punishing because at, at that, so when I did my first playthrough and you're going through the elementary school, there's mm-hmm. one Chim Pokemon in that spot of the elementary school that you can Inside miss. Inside the locker. Right? The tall locker. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I missed it. And then I was like, shit. There's no way I can keep going. So I restarted it. I actually went I went back oh, really? and restarted it. Yeah, but the good news is though, this game scales in a way that it's it allows you to be open to exploration as we've kind of talked mm-hmm. about. But you can actually speed this up quite a bit if you know what you're doing. You know, like like when, when I when I play some games. You can. Yeah. I, I hate speed running, okay? I just don't like to do it. But this game, if you know what, what you're doing, if you know how to use um equipment types 
and how to fight through certain enemies, this yes. game can move very, very quickly. And yeah, so, you'll have to be at a certain level for certain enemies, but you can avoid most kind of side quests and that kind of stuff that doesn't, you know, bring you through the story. Um, if you're strong enough to fight some of the bosses that you need to get through, sometimes you might have to do just a little bit more grinding or some more side quests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or get your ass kicked by Al Gore enough times where you're like, <laughs> probably need to change up my weapons a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or your but, um, buddy yeah. characters. So that was a good point. Okay. Like I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I kind of let the tutorial dictate what I'm doing. And so I'll, I'll keep a character with me just because of familiarity. Mm -hmm. but really? I, 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 dude, I just get used to I it, had man. To Especially use Jimmy. I had to use Jimmy in order to beat Al Gore. Oh, really? <laughs> I never beat Al Gore without Jimmy because I had to, he has the power to make everyone go to sleep with his flute. And yeah. like, it was just so, it's so, so many turns you have to get through before they start like, essentially giving up um and allowing themselves to to be killed so it so it's like either either you have to be really strong be really powerful which i mostly played as a thief class mm -hmm. which is not very powerful but i just love the, yep. the the type of gameplay yeah. um so yeah i would always use jimmy as the sidekick and just kind of you know if you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. You just kind of make everyone go to sleep and attack them and do this whole order, then refill your life and make them sleep. And you just do this whole process and eventually you win. See, mm -hmm. what I discovered here was that the stacking effects of certain statuses can really change the tide of a fight, especially one of those one-offs like the Al Gore fight, which is ridiculous to even say. Yeah. But <laughs> but like if, if if you stack your your, uh, your fire, like status damage, yeah. With the weapons and the and the strap-ons, which once again strap-ons are an augmented <laughs> way to, get, to, so you to have add like, on your equipment. Mm -hmm. So you have like fire, bleeding, gross out, electricity, like all of those status effects, plus all the charms that enhance those things. Or are you just talking about one status effect with all the charms towards that? I just stacked all fire. Stacked all fire. That's for what one I would mostly fight. do too, because fire. Yeah. What I noticed was the most versatile, like. Fire, most of the characters in the game are susceptible to fire. Yep. But, like, you encounter so many of them. This is kind of one of the flaws of the game. You'll encounter a lot of, of bosses where gross-out effect doesn't work. You encounter a lot where um, electricity doesn't work. A lot where bleeding won't really matter. But yep. fire was definitely more powerful than all of the other status effects. So it does lend you to kind of being like, well... I'm going to use my fire weapons and then I'm going to use the charms and increase the fire. It's kind of like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and thanks to my nearly three decades worth of playing Pokemon, I pretty much always start out with fire. <laughs> so this was a very like, like no brainer for me when playing this game. Plus it looks the coolest. When, oh, yeah. when they, um, the way the status effects show in this game is great. Like in between turns when all of a sudden the character just, you know, ignites and it's yeah. towards the end, and they just like fall down, like gushing with blood and burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The charm never goes away. That that's mm -hmm. the, the best part about this game is like that South Park charm. It never takes a break. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's exploring, mm -hmm. collectible hunting, talking to people. Uh, you're rewarded for pretty much everything you do in this game, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, again, like whether it is like actual like um like items or actual collectibles or or um like you know obviously getting XP and leveling your character up, you also just get rewarded with just things in the game. Like if you <laughs> like the show, you are absolutely going to love the things in this game. Like when you have uh I I believe the school gets taken over by the ginger kids. Yes. And <laughs> Carmen's like, if you get bit, like, it's already too late. It's gone. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> um, and like, like something simple as like gingers are weak to fire because of their pale skin. So <laughs> you have to like cup a fart and throw it uh, at a fire, like a, like an open flame to like knock them out when you're first getting into the into the school. So all these little things that are 
probably what makes you laugh at the show. And this is just one of those things, obviously. Like, if you don't like South Park, don't play the game. <laughs> you will <laughs> yeah, get very bad very quick. Mm-hmm. That's, but, like, but, that's the like the only thing I can recommend. Like, if you like, if you're on the fence playing this game, like, if you like the show, play the game. If you don't like the show, don't play the game. But also, if you don't like the show, you might also like the game. Because the, sh- the, the game does many things that they couldn't do in the show. You know, and I know that sounds crazy because South Park takes so many risks. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that stands out to me is um, when you're... Like, there's a part where all of a sudden you have to fight the gnomes that come out of the wall, the underwear gnomes. And yep. you kick all their butts, and then... They're like, man, we lost that fight pretty bad. He's too big. He's too powerful. Let's shrink him down. And they shrink you down to the size of the gnome. Mm-hmm. And then you travel through your house and you're having a battle <laughs> on your parents' dresser as they are making whoopee <laughs> in the background. <laughs> and, you know, and with, with all of the sounds and, you mm-hmm. know, dirty talk that accompany it, and that's just going on. <laughs> Then mm-hmm. the fight later moves to the bed where you have to pretty much jump out of the way of your father's swinging <laughs> testicles, your mother's swinging breasts. And mm-hmm. when that came on the screen, I yep. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. was t- just like taking pictures of the screen, sending it to my friend. <laughs> like, can you believe what I'm playing right now? <laughs> and I those believe it or not i feel like those are some of the tamer things they get away with because you get Kinda. randy's undercover trip to the clinic much oh later in the God. game that is definitely like that was the that was the only time playing the game i ever questioned like you know what they may have gone too far here and then later I'm on not, I, i'm still gonna um, like it <laughs> no the second time might mm-hmm. be worse when um they're like wait who knows how to perform an abortion it can shrink down really yep, small that- and you're That's like, uh, <laughs> and then you climb inside of Mr. Slave, where mm-hmm. you have to now, you know, fight all of the inside of the butthole characters from, from South Park. <laughs> but also, you have to swab loads out of the way. Yep. Um, you've got to, you know, you're finding all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. It's a, it's a festival Corn for cops. the eyes. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy inside of that. Club. I oh. Okay, so there's one other, th- just to rewind for a second, there is an, also an achievement tied into your parents having sex when you're shrunk down. If you stand there and watch and you don't move, yes. it's for like five minutes, it'll trigger, <laughs> it'll trigger That's like the, per- the, the pervert, it's like you little pervert trophy. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and and the, the worst part was, of course, I didn't have kids yet at that time. But what I did have was the impeccable timing to play that sequence as my wife was going through the room to go take care of laundry. <laughs> it's like, of all the times I'm playing this game, you walk in when the parents are clapping cheeks. It's like, that's just the timing that was. And, and not, even, not even just the fact that they're doing that. It's the fact that you're doing it and you haven't done anything. And the screen's just sitting there yep. Yep. with you I'll, watching them do it. I was going for the achievement at that point in time. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're totally right, though. I mean, what they got away with in this game, I I feel like if it was made any earlier, like talking like late 90s, early 2000s, this would have been one of those like adults only games, you know, like that, that, that the unique like symbol that most of us haven't seen because we never owned those games. (laughs) There were some like NC-17 games out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like I feel like they they did get away with a lot, and even though there's there's plenty of like offensive style things in this game that you could point out if you really wanted to, I never really got the vibe that it was being offensive just to be offensive, and which is no. weird to say that for South no, Park. They're, you know, it's comedy done well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even like again, like when you say offensive to be offensive, it's not pushing an envelope for the sake of pushing an envelope it's not it's not carlos mencia uh that we've got going on over here it is very much like again like a lot of it is social commentary um so like like picking your your race at the start uh, of the game is very much like those like that's it's humorous in like a sad sort of truth that you just kind of laugh at as you as you play the game Mm -hmm. you can also feel them having fun though you picture Mm -hmm. two 
longtime friends sitting around thinking, oh man, wouldn't it be crazy if we did this? And then just cracking up for five minutes and then saying yes. And then they actually mm -hmm. make it become real. And then you're seeing that and you feel that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, I'm fine with giving this part away when, when you're playing through the zombie Nazi level mm -hmm. and the giant aborted Nazi fetus plows <laughs> through that wall. For, for me, I, I, I was so shocked that I, that's the most shocked I've ever been playing a video game. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not talking like, mm -hmm. like, like a character dies or something. And you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is a gut punch. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to process a Nazi <laughs> zombie <laughs> aborted fetus taking up half of my screen. Like, I just didn't know what to say oh, to that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, <laughs> and why is it a Nazi? Why? It's, it was, it was an <laughs> so it's like, that, mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that was happening in this game. But, but yeah, I, I, I will always look fondly back on that because there was never really a point in this game where I felt like we had any kind of lull, you know, like there, mm -mm. It, no I way. Mean, it, yeah. Like there wasn't the fetch quests or like the, uh, or like the, you know, guide a character through this, this journey, you know, the follow quest. Mm -hmm. You sometimes think it might come up, but it just never does. You're actually more and more surprised as it goes on. Um, something that we have not talked about yet is Canada. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> which is oh absent from Fractured But Whole, which I thought was where you were going before. With, with like, mm -hmm. um, we should talk about Fractured But Whole another time because it's kind of um, it takes more risks with the comedy than the first one. Gameplay is a yeah. little different, but they do not have Canada, and um, Canada in you know Stick of Truth is. You, you see it on the map, you know it's there, and it takes you a while to get all of the prerequisites to get to Canada. You know, they, con they constantly tell you, no, you need a passport, no, you can't go into Canada, all these different things, and you see the gate and you really want to go. And when you eventually do go, it basically transforms the game into like an sort of like an 8-bit Legend of Zelda map. <laughs> uh, yep. With the, with the with, MIDI file music. Oh my god. Yeah, with mm -hmm. the sounds, you know, with everything. And mm -hmm. it, 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 it completely catches you off guard and is really funny. And yep. then there's gameplay aspects within it that are there. And of course, you're in Canada, you know, you get to meet a lot of the familiar Canadian characters from the show. Yep. And mm -hmm. a lot of the Canadian jokey tropes that they make and yep. that part was amazing mm -hmm. I, and i i get that like the canadian jokey tropes which i think <laughs> one of my favorite things is the fact that again like not only is like the map old timey but the whole idea that canada is just <laughs> wilderness with pockets of civilization so exactly. like there are dire wolves like in canada, which are like regular wolves yep. but dire <laughs> and if you get bitten by the dire wolves you get, you get dire, dire AIDS. aids which is like <laughs> aids but dire yes <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that what the status effect says? It's like yep. AIDS, but dire. <laughs> so, okay. So when I think about like the, the history of me playing video games, this was one of the unique singular moments where I laughed as hard <laughs> as I've ever laughed at something when I got into Canada. Yeah. Like I, you, you get into Canada, you're like, oh man, it's great. I finally got here. Like you mentioned, Doug, you're like, you're waiting to get there for a while. <laughs> And then you get there, and you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's just immediate. Like, it's like you, you see yourself walking through that gate, and all of a sudden it's just the music, the visuals, everything is just changed. And you're like, and then you walk, and it, you're so small, and it takes, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. controls become like an old game. You know? Yeah. And you're just like, it's kind of, you're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things, like, uh, like in games, like, if you work really hard to get something, and then you get it, and it's kind of like, oh, I worked really hard for that. It's disappointing. Yeah. This isn't that. <laughs> yeah. For the jokes alone, <laughs> it's absolutely worth, like, trying to get oh, to Canada. It does have its annoyances, though. Like, when you go to the store, and you can't buy things because you only have American money. So now you, yes. now you have to like go across the town, convert your money to Canadian money, then go back. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
it, it makes you kind of, I mean, that's the thing though. You, you could tell that Canada was a, just a huge joke for these guys, like mm-hmm. every yeah. aspect of it. Cause you're, you're basically creating two different games at that point. And, yeah. and so like when that, when that whole experience happened for me, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even be mad about it. I was laughing so hard at it. It was so ridiculous, but so funny at the same time. <laughs> you and, know what I love? Um, you know when it makes you take the boat? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like um it's like the maps in like Super Mario Three, the way the boat yep. like moves like line after line. Yeah. Oh man, dude! It, it, once again, that whole section ha- had to have been like when you're whiteboarding it. They had to have spent longer designing that that area than any other in the game. I, I just I, I truly <laughs> believe that. As far as but, ideas, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And. I think this is a good time for us to do what we typically do in a, mm-hmm. in a quote unquote retro review, because we don't like to give away the entire game, no. but we do like to give things for you to kind of look for and stuff to watch out for stuff to look forward to. But this is once again, a unique opportunity for us because we've never had a guest who has joined us to do the review portion of this. Ooh. So Doug, here's what we do. We have mm-hmm. four metrics that we that we track for these games, okay. And we go through uh, our opinions of graphics, gameplay, replay value, and the music of the game. Okay. Now, what's funny here is that music has actually decided how some of these games have true. stacked up mm-hmm. quite a bit. So that's why that's why it's there. It's it's kind of a uh, a wild card. So yeah, and I, I'm actually pretty happy that we've got Doug here for this because now that we have three opinions and three like scores on this, this makes us the most statistically accurate retro review we have ever done. Yes, very it's nice. very true. Yes, it's very true. We actually have the proper amount of people aligned to form a majority in an opinion. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. So here's what we'll do. We'll start off with the graphics. And because, Doug, you are the guest, out of a score of of five possible Chimpokemon, what would you rate the graphics of this game and your reasoning for that? I'm going to give it a five. Now I'll tell you why. Coming out swinging. Okay. I am. And that's because it looks like you turned on an episode of South Park and now you connected your controller and you're controlling it. It doesn't look any different from that. Um, that is what the gameplay looks like. You think maybe just the cutscenes will look like South Park, but no, the cutscenes blend in seamlessly because you're literally playing South Park. And of course, it's sort of a very rudimentary cartoon. So, you know, it's transferability into this game to for it to be represented that way is easy. But nonetheless, I just don't see it being anything else but a five. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right. I mean, hey, come out swinging. Mm-hmm. Joe, what, what are your thoughts on the graphics? I mean, I, I'm going to go in a very, very similar direction as Doug, but take it even a step further, where when Doug says that this it very much feels and looks like an episode of South Park as you're playing it, and it's the cutscenes and the gameplay that does it. But I would say that it actually goes further than that. And that this looks like, I mean, South Park, the movie, when it was like compared to the series when it was on, was like mm-hmm. a step above an animation. Cause you get like, yeah, the, I could agree you with get that. some extra lighting and different shading uh, and something just makes it look higher quality. And it's kind of the same deal as that, where obviously the animation to the show has gotten better since like when the show first came out, well, even when South Park, later, the movie so. came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So this is something where I feel like, like the look of it does take the TV series and elevates it and makes it more special because you do get a little more to it without them trying to go, like you know, South Park '64, where now you've got f- like full on 3D. It's like no, let's make it look like the show, but give it shading, give it a few extra animation things that make it look more attractive. And I think they nailed it. So when you hit like the spirit of the main idea this well, I think the graphics are a five on this. You know, I, I was wavering a little bit on what I wanted to give this this rating because I agree with everything you guys have mentioned about the art direction and how it achieved everything it wanted to do. 
uh, we've talked about how there are different areas of the game that look critically different from each other. And even when they make those, those choices, they still do a really good job with it. Um, the one, the only thing I will say, cause I'm going to give it a 4.5, mm-hmm. please don't murder me, but there are some set pieces that, that do look kind of messy. And it's, it's because of the fact that yes, this is still a cartoon and you're trying to add in, you know, stuff that shouldn't be there, like a treasure chest or a collectible mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the only knock I'll really have for it here because for mm-hmm. the majority of the game, it, it, it looks fine. Like you, you're walking on the world map, you know, uh, you're fighting bosses in, in combat, all that stuff. Like the art is really well done. The graphics are good, but then sometimes you go into like a quote unquote set piece and it just feels like there's a lot of stuff on top of stuff. And yeah, like in the aftermath of a battle or something like that. Yeah. Like, like I don't want to use the meth heads like uh, lab as an example, but cause that's (laughs) going to look messy anyway. It's a meth lab, but (laughs) there, there, there just are some of those, those sequences where like, I feel like there was just a little bit too much put in here. Uh, even in parts of the elementary school. Um, what's a good example? In the storage space for um, Professor Chaos, where you can't necessarily tell which way on the paths to walk. Yep. That would be a yep. good example. I could think of a couple of couple examples mm-hmm. or potentially in the woods. A couple of times where it's just not too intuitive, like where you're supposed to be, you know? And, and honestly, it's a combination of like mechanics and graphics at that point. Like it, mm-hmm. it's... I wouldn't even say it's a technology limitation. It's really just how the art is translated into graphics. And so, yeah, I, I had to dig in a little bit because otherwise I'm mesmerized mm-hmm. by all the same things you guys were. Yeah. So um, now we, we are going to go back to our guests for the next metric, Joe, rather than do the traditional like fantasy football snake that we, we've we done. No, and done. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Doug, for the next five Chim Pokemon that you want to potentially rate, mm-hmm. what would you want to say about the gameplay of this game? Um, the gameplay, I'm probably around a 3.5. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, a lot of the aspects I didn't like were, you know, you have a lot of these special abilities where you use your buddies. It would be like you use your buddy to teleport over here and you do some light puzzle solving where you have to teleport them over here. And then this guy farts on this and then that happens. And it's a whole chain of events. Um, using, you know, the way they set up the menu to switch between the buddies was kind of tedious. And then I felt like a lot of times it just didn't add anything to the story. It was like overly complicated to figure out this weird little puzzle at at sometimes like the worst moments too. Like you're in the middle of this like end epic battle and now you have to like switch around your buddies and do this stuff. Um, also some of the abilities you could have used earlier in the game. This this is something that a lot of RPGs fall victim to where like you have special abilities. You see where you could use them early in the game. You see where you could use them halfway. You see where you could use them three quarters. Then you get one like 85%. And now you have to backtrack on all these things to use it. And you're like, there's really no reason for me to have not been given this earlier. Like there really is no reason for it. You know, um, like you were mentioning the stuff with the, um, uh, the, the timing points where you have like a stronger hit with your weapons and the, the stronger block and all these different types of things. I did feel that there were some weapons that are just so much more obviously overpowered than others where I would have enjoyed, um, some more focus on even distribution or maybe like if this one has these positives, it'll have a certain amount of equal negatives because I felt, yeah. felt I found myself using the same types of weapons over and over again. And, you know, you're given so many, you know, mm-hmm. you have a chance to yeah. purchase and find like hundreds of different weapons and add-ons and things in this game, but then you're trying to beat it. And it's like, well, I'm obviously going to use this, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are all, you know, that's a lot to say for giving you a 3.5 because the rest of it is amazingly fun. Um, every encounter, even when you bump in to just, you know, the common 
you know, enemies that you fight in the simple fights, like a group of, you know, fourth graders and a group, all these little groups you fight along the way, even the simple grind battles, every one of them can be fun and be diverse. But, you know, I just felt like there was a lot of mm -hmm. stuff in the game <clears throat> that I would have liked to see more of or just have a reason to use more. I, 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 I'm on that same page with that in that especially like thinking about like comparing this to something like Breath of the Wild, where Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. I got very annoyed with how frequently my shit broke. Yeah. Um, and like you get the master sword and like finally something's not going to break and oh, it lost its charge. I can't use it. Son of a <laughs> bitch. Um, and this game has the exact opposite of that. And it's where you can get very comfortable using the same thing and the game doesn't really force you to do anything. And that's even something like it, it helps to like the degree of difficulty of the game where it, it doesn't let you get comfortable. Even thinking back to things like Devil May Cry um, when that first came out and you had like three main weapons you could use um mm -hmm. like your sword some cestuses and i think there was one other thing uh, outside of your guns and it was very easy to like really like oh i like the sword i'm gonna use that but no like the sword will actually suck fighting other enemies so it was nice to be able to switch it up and then that's again where like this game would fall short would be like switching things through menus and to kind of contradict myself like there are some things i wish it would let me more be more comfortable with like like buddies like i didn't like changing my buddies just because butters happens to be like my favorite like south park tertiary character mm -hmm. so i would love to have butters with me all the time but there are just times where like you know jimmy works better or you want to use so and so yeah. and you got to switch your party up so like that it's like eh, i would have preferred to actually have that stay the same and make me change and explore different weapons um but other than that um and this is maybe pushing into replayability a little bit, which we haven't covered yet. But, like, when you miss things, like, I didn't hate playing the game again. Uh, it's one of those things where it's, like, a the gameplay is enough of a challenge and enough of where if you miss something, you do have to, like, you're, you're fucking have to do it again. But you're mm -hmm. not mad about it entirely. You're like, you're like, oh, fuck, that sucks. And then you get over it. And you're happy to like finish the game afterwards. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. feel the need to like, oh, well, fucking hey, I'm just going to put this down and walk away from it. It's like, no, I'm going to keep playing because I'm having a fun time. And because of that, I'm only going to drop this down to a four. Oh, wow. Okay. Four chin Pokemon for me. So I don't want to repeat a whole lot of what you guys said because I do, I do have some very similar you know, gripes or criticisms here. The biggest thing I want to focus on is definitely like the weapons, equipment, and and the leveling system because mm -hmm. the the leveling system pretty straightforward. You fight in battles, you know, you do the things, you get the points. All right, I get that. But there are really solid traditional RPG elements of this, as we mentioned, with timing your hits and your defenses and knowing what things mm -hmm. to use. But you could tell that as strong of an RPG as this game is, the focus was definitely on style. And the mm -hmm. uh, the storytelling, which once again, very strong elements. But mm -hmm. when it comes to gameplay in an RPG, I want to have uh, more of a diversity in the weapons that I get. You know, I actually want to feel like the equipment that I carry with me has a journey of its own, whether that's through upgrading or augmenting, whatever it might be. And for an RPG, this game didn't really have that kind of stuff. You know, you just, mm -hmm. you basically, you could use the same equipment after a while and it wouldn't really dictate how your your you know your result would be. You could still mm -hmm. get away with carrying some of the same stuff into multiple different battles and not really mm -hmm. suffer through it. So mm -hmm. uh, that that's why I'll dog it a little bit. And and actually, I agree with Doug. I'm going to give it a three point five because the stuff that's really strong carries it, but the stuff that isn't very strong evens that that score out. So mm -hmm. now. We, we might be already kind of predicting this one, but mm -hmm. Doug, you've replayed the game quite a few times. What do you want to say <laughs> about replay value? So I think it has very good replay value. Um, replaying it right after you play it. Like there's, there's two different kinds of replay value, right? There's I'm going to replay this game right after I beat it. Then there's I'm going to wait a couple of years and play it again. And maybe I forgot most of the stuff but I won't mind playing it again. It does have both of those to a degree. Um, more to, towards the, maybe if you play it 
you know, treat it like an episode of South Park, like we've been saying this whole time. You can watch an episode of South Park. You know, you can go about your life for two years. You can watch that same episode of South Park again and forget a lot of the things that were funny and enjoy it just as much as you did the first time. It has high replay value on that level. When you're replaying it um, back to back, which three of my plays were that way because I kept messing things up and I was trying to do it for trophies. Um, a lot of the aspects can get really excruciating. Like there's some cutscenes that you're not able to skip that go on for way too long. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of walking in between places yeah. before you've got your fast travel. Even once you have fast travel, there's some things that are just far from fast travel that you're going to go to a lot. So you will spend a lot of time walking, 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 going over here to talk to this person. They say, oh, you better go back to them. And you'll spend hours with your finger on on the, you know, D-pad just walking. Um, yeah. So a back-to-back -back replay? No. Replay in the future? Hell yes. Which, how does that equate on a scale of one through five? I'm probably just going to go with three. All right, cool. Joe, mm -hmm. what do you think? Um, I have not played the game as much as Doug. Um, I, uh, played it twice and I did it back to back because I missed mm -hmm. a, uh, a chin Pokemon on the alien ship. So uh, I had to play again classic. and yes, the fucking <laughs> alien ship. um, but so with me and that, again, that, that same, uh, that same vein of replaying it and, and, and the, uh, the idea of like replaying it because you missed something, I do think it works where like. I'm trying to remember if you can keep collectibles from one playthrough to the next, so you that can. that way, like, yes, you can. So you have to literally do everything perfect the second time, which mm -hmm. can be excruciating. You know, mm -hmm. you can miss one thing on one play, and then another playthrough, you might miss something different. Yep. So yep. you have to mm -hmm. play it so intentively if you're going for those types of, um, you know, things, which is. You know, but maybe everybody who's not playing, re who's replaying, doesn't necessarily want to get the trophies. Maybe they're just replaying mm -hmm. for fun, which would be better than having to really pay attention to every little detail. Yeah, and uh, because like you, you have that that lack of like a new game plus version of playing it through a second time, yeah. yep. so you can keep everything and then just go grab what you missed. Uh, I was gonna say that does bring the replay value down to a three for me for three Chin Pokemon. In that it is really like, especially like the way I did it. Like again, like I think like now, like after talking about it again, I would love to actually go back and play the game just for fun, where I'm not worried about collectibles and I just mm -hmm. want to see the story one more time. So it would again, if you're if you're trying to go it like you put it down, wait a few years, you can pick it up and play it again. You will probably like it just as much as you did the first time. But yeah. again, playing for completionist, and which is what I usually am when I play games, I. I'd, I'd go down to three each in Pokemon. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you guys on this one too, because when I think of an RPG, I really enjoy ones that have the new game plus. Uh, I, I like mm -hmm. the idea of, of carrying collectibles from one playthrough into the next, because then like, as you kind of both pointed out, if you did miss something the first time, you're like, I know what that was and I'll be paying attention mm -hmm. next time. It's, it's far. It feels a little more forgiving at that stage. Right. Um, I, 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 I've replayed the game three times and none of them were back to back. It was like, I played it, rocked it out, got all the trophies the first time. I didn't have to restart Joe, unfortunately, not like you. And I was, I, I, dude, I, mm -hmm. I was blown away by how much fun I had playing that game the first time. The second time around, it was a couple of years later. I still had a great time. Right. I, and like you mentioned, Doug, I forgot some of the humor. I forgot some of the jokes. Um, I forgot about having to avoid testicles during that sequence and you know, the, and, and the shock was still there. So it was like, yeah, yeah. you know what, if you, it, it's, it's definitely not like a mortal combat where you're going to, you know, do like a hundred and 150 battles in a row and then, you know, put it down. And then two days later, you're back doing it again. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely a, a, a more, uh, I don't know what I call it measured experience from that viewpoint. So Mm -hmm. Which brings us, gentlemen, to the last metric, uh, which would the be make the music. Breaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the music of South Park, the Stick of Truth. Doug, you have a background in music. What do you think this game tried to do with the music, and do you think it worked? 
maybe there's something I'm forgetting, but to me, the music, like we've said with the graphics, like we've said with a lot of the stylistic choices and humor, the music was from the show. You know, they did have some sounds you haven't heard in the show, but have a a similar timbre and felt like they belonged in the show and have the similar type of dramatic, um, you know, you know, enhancements. They would make parts in the game feel more, you know, dramatic. And I am going all the way in with a five on the music. The quality of it didn't sound video gamey as we could say except for yes, very, intentional yeah. in mm-hmm, yeah. um you know canada like we spoke of before which again was not video game music that you've heard they didn't take anything from legend of zelda or paperboy or any of these games that made you feel like it was playing but they parodied it perfectly so it made you feel yeah. like you were playing it, it felt like what the hell just happened? Did I just blow on this cartridge and pop it in? And, you know, so from the, you know, Primus themes to the, you know, in between music that you're used to hearing in between scenes. And then just the, you know, all hell is breaking loose music to the 8-bit music. All of it was pretty much perfect. Joe, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, again, like uh, when Doug and I were talking about like graphics, uh, like you said, how like it kind of nailed like the look of the game and the music just kind of adds to that. And again, when when Doug says like it, it sounds like it's from the show or the music's from the show and therefore it fits really well, I think taking that a step further is that it sounds like it's from the show even though you're doing things that aren't necessarily show like, um, because like the entire thing is that kind of like the kids playing like a fantasy, like imaginary mm-hmm. game. So the music is like a fantasy, like trying to like, it's think of like Lord of the Rings esque, yeah. but made by South park is mm-hmm. how the music plays through majority of the game. So even think like when you'd have like some sort of like European, like chamber and like, they've got these, these really like um, gothic sounding like church voices as they're doing these chants, mm. they have that in the game too, but it's fucking Eric Cartman. Yeah. So it <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. as soon as it sounds like this is like a fun, like little video game type thing and you're not paying attention. And then you say like, it's just like, wait the fuck it's Cartman Cartman singing <laughs> in the background. Yeah. That's something that you'd like, you know, like that character would do. Um, yeah. if it was in the shows, like he would make the music for you to be doing something and he'd want you to take the game very, very seriously as you're, as you're playing it, even though like you can tell, like he takes some of it seriously, but it's basically everything in his favor is what he takes seriously. Mm-hmm. So the music does that too. And again, like when you switch to Canada and now you're in this eight bit thing, it sounds like, you know, like, it, like it's eight bit music or it's that MIDI file music that's playing. So this is where like. Uh, this category maxes out at five chin Pokemon for me. Nice. See, and, and I, I'm in the same boat because of the, the the exact same reasoning. I mean, when I, when I listened to the music of this, if I didn't know it was from South park, I would just expect that this was theatrical music, you know, like th- that, that's the, the chamber we've kind of lived in with some of the music of the previous games we've reviewed is that if you just listen to this music by itself, would you be able to tell where it's from? Would you be able to tell the quality of it, you know, like, could you attach a, a dollar amount to it? And one of the things that I think is a testament to the quality of the music is Trey Parker having such a background in music. And you just knew he wasn't going to half-ass something in, in that department, you know, it, and they didn't, they didn't. Every single tonal change in this game, no matter how ridiculous it was, the music is always appropriate. And I enjoyed so much of that that mm-hmm. th- that that experience it, it it's what kept me in it i think the the majority mm-hmm. of that time mm-hmm. so i i'm gonna absolutely agree with you guys five out of five on the music because there's nothing else i can give it it, it was mm-hmm. absolutely well done yeah so. but when you're performing um an operation or procedure and you get some <laughs> really bizarre christmas music as you're going just just having at randy's b-hole <laughs> Or whatever, yep. whatever holes being used for that. 
it is it it takes you out of it in the best way <laughs> like when you should be gagging and being gross over what's happening it's like you know what this is a laugh we're gonna laugh here because yeah. of what's going on in the background it's like you know i i thought i'd leave but i'm gonna stay mm-hmm. and see how this plays out and yep. uh, that yeah that that music was was totally there so all right well we're not gonna we're not gonna do cliffhangers this isn't reality tv but the mm-hmm. final tally <laughs> ends up coming in at 82.5 percent for this game from combining all of our scores together which okay. honestly that that puts this game right in the meaty part of the curve mm-hmm. based on the scores that we've we've given historically here so i mean it's I think it's an accurate portrayal of what the value of this game really is. It's not, it's not going to be the game that I think everybody remembers. Mm-mm. It's not going to be the game that won the most awards, but it's a very, very solid experience. It's one of the most solid mm-hmm. video gaming experiences, especially mm-hmm. in a modern RPG sense mm-hmm. that you're probably going to, you know, going to kind of come by here. Yeah, and as far as like South Park gaming history goes, it's top tier. It is it is brilliant oh, yeah. in its own subcategory and in the, in the in the realm of like all video games it's good. It is a great game. It's a very very good game. Another aspect we didn't touch on is that, you know, in some RPGs you can put that game down and not play it for a week and come back and play the game and play it for a couple hours and play some more later. But with this game you don't want to leave it. You know, you turn it on and you put hours in and it, it just keeps guiding you further and further. And then let's say you have something to do. You do not want to stop. And when you're doing the other thing, you're like, man, I can't wait to go back to that game and see what happens next. So to me, it's like a great like weekend game, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. where you're, where you're going to want to want the time to play it all. Um, most people will not beat it in one day. You know, I think yeah. it's common for it for it to be like a, a three day average, probably. You know, spent yeah. on beating it. Um, so that's just another testament to it being very good and, and an experience. Yeah, and and before Mark serenades us with our closing that we we usually like to do here, if you missed anything this episode and would like to hear it again, we highly encourage you to delete the episode wherever you're listening to it. If you downloaded it, re-download and start from the beginning. <laughs> well, one I do want to give one last parting note to this because Doug, you took the analogy that I wanted to give this as well, which is this game is probably the closest experience that we have to recapturing that mid nineties blockbuster rental over a weekend mm-hmm. where you yes. buy a, you, you rent a game, you, you get snacks, you likely have some kind of diarrhea eventually, <laughs> but you power, you, you power through it and, and you, yeah. And, and you plug in 25 to 30 hours of a game ready to return it on, on, you know, Monday, you better have Monday that morning. wireless controller handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, set up a series of mirrors so you can see the TV from the bathroom. <laughs> oh man! But hey, as Joe mentioned, with that, we do thank you for listening to Digital Dissection. As always, we appreciate all the Dissection crew does for us week after week. Your support does go a very long way. And if you happen upon this show by accident, why not drop us a review or comment on the show after you've had a listen? We do like to hear what you think of us, good or bad. We also love hearing from you, so feel free to message us over at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your ideas for future shows and, well, anything you'd like to discuss so long as it's tastefully done. And until next time, keep on dissecting. <laughs>